order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. And today we're going to continue uh, one more episode answering your questions that you've asked me over the past year. Um, As I mentioned on the last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, make sure you do, uh, we receive questions all the time from people about the practice of law and, 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 you know, how you become a lawyer in law school and things of that nature. And normally we don't talk about that on this podcast. We talk about the law and uh, pop culture and and things that are, are, you know, more, let's say, entertaining. But I, I haven't had an opportunity to really get through questions that people have. And they're good questions. So I figured that this week we were going to do a two-part Q&A. Um, I answered maybe 13 or so questions on Tuesday's episode. So today I want to just hit some of these other questions that I thought were pretty good. And then we'll be back to uh, the regular format for the podcast. But uh, let me know what you think about this. And if you do have questions, send them in. You can submit them um, through email, through uh, any of our social media channels. All the information is in the podcast description uh, or at utlradio.com. All right, so last week we talked about um, my decision to become a lawyer and things like that. Not last week, last Tuesday. Uh, And I told you I was trying to put these in like a chronological order to make it flow a little bit better. So we'll see where it goes. All right, so this is an absolute great, great question. And um, three, two, one. All right, so this is an absolutely great question. And this is a question that, you know, sometimes people ask themselves and realize that they don't have an answer and need to get help. And, and the question is, how do you handle the stress and demands of being a lawyer? Now, you might be listening to this and saying to yourself, what stress? Lawyers make a ton of money. You know, how hard is it? You go to law school, you learn how to be a lawyer, you come out, you, you get in with a firm, you make a ton of money, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're set. Well, it's not like that. It just isn't. So first off, there are so many lawyers in this country. Like, they could probably fit in their own state. There's so many lawyers. It's an entire state of lawyers. And it is extremely competitive and not what you see on television and not what you hear from your friends and family who are not lawyers about what the profession really is like. So first of all, you don't, for the most part, come out of law school and start making $150,000 a year. Sure, there are people that come out of law school that get into mega firms and maybe they do make $150,000 a year and they work seven days a week and that's where they have sold their soul. And I know many, many colleagues, many friends of mine who attempted that route because they were enticed by the paycheck only to realize that it was killing them, like like literally eating away at them. I have one friend that 
was older than me, had been practicing probably 10 years maybe before I started practicing. She was really great, um, a good mentor. I learned a lot from her. And she ended up having a, a, a breakdown because the stress was so significant in the career. And she ended up not practicing anymore. So first off, I want to dispel a rumor that coming out of law school, you're going to just step into a job, make a lot of money, and it's not that difficult. You learn what you do in law school. I, I hear this all the time. Oh, you know what, what to do. You, you go to law school. You learn about it. You just come out and you do your job. It's not that simple. I told you on Tuesday's show that when you get out of law school, you pretty much don't know what you're doing because they don't teach you about the practical aspect of being a lawyer. They teach you how to think and theorize and question and, 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 and you know, deal with um, strategies of analysis. They don't teach you how you deal with an erratic judge or a very frustrated client or an absolutely you know, horribly mean adversary or group of adversaries. Like they don't teach you that. They don't teach you how to deal with having a to-do pile that never ends. You know, you, you think you're going to complete something and then before you're done with that and to check it off your box, you've got 10 other things. Or how often you're in the middle of one thing and then three or four other things pop up at the same time all requiring attention. So they don't teach you that. So number one, you don't come out of law school knowing everything. Number two, you don't come out of law school, step into a job where you make $150,000 and it's easy. Most lawyers coming out of law school that aren't getting jobs in mega farms because it's only the top 1%, let's say, that get to these mega farms where you're making a lot of money and, and working seven days a week. But you know, you're coming out and you're getting jobs that um, don't pay because smaller firms do not always have the financial resources to sustain multiple employees. You know, it, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, if, if you're a, a solo practitioner, let's say, and it's just you, you know, you likely don't have any money to bring somebody else on board and then let's say that maybe you know you you started as a solo and you've developed into a little bit of a more uh, thriving practice you're going to need somebody to answer the phones you're going to need somebody to help you with you know paralegal work you're going to need that and and you know while you might need an associate maybe you can't afford to bring an associate in so when you do look for an associate for a small firm you're, you're not paying somebody $150,000. That's just not how it works, you know? And even some of these mid-sized firms, you might make $50,000, $45,000 at a mid-sized firm as a first-year associate, you know? And maybe that's a lot of money, um, you know, in your world, $45,000. But when you consider the fact that if you come out of law school with a loan, you could owe upwards of $150,000 to $200,000. And then, you know, if you're working for this mid-sized firm, it's not necessarily a nine-to-five job. It could be, you know, a 10-hour job. 
It could be, you know, 11 hours a day. Who knows? So my point is, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. So don't take this as, oh my God, this entitled lawyer. That, that's not me at all. And I, I would hope that over the years through this podcast and through some of the videos and, and um, just getting to know me a little bit that you realize that I'm not like that. Um, but I just want to answer these questions in a, an honest and straightforward manner as opposed to just like blowing smoke up your butt and telling you, you know, what you want to hear. That, that's not how I am in, in, in general. So, you know, as I'm looking at these questions and, and formulating answers, I want to be completely honest. And, and the honest thing is that when you come out of law school, you're not making a huge salary for the most part. Now, getting back to the question, about stress and managing stress, you know, I, I took a I took a detour there because I, I got started talking about how they don't prepare you when you come out of law school. Well, they do not prepare you for the stress associated with this profession. They absolutely do not. And you know, there's there's so much talk about how um, first responders and police officers and firemen are in need of proper psychological care. And I am 100% behind that because I couldn't imagine, you know, being a police officer, having to deal with, you know, like let's say you're a New York City cop and, and the things that you must see, it must take a tremendous toll on you psychologically. So I am 110% behind the idea that, you know, first responders need to have some um, available and paid for psychological assistance. Now, while I'm not suggesting that being a lawyer is like being a first responder or a police officer or fireman, it is extremely stressful. And I feel that not enough lawyers have access to psychological help or enough of an understanding to realize that it's not a weakness to seek help when you are at a breaking point. You know, it's really something that they should be teaching you in law school. There should be mandatory classes in law school about management of your day-to-day, your stress, what the profession is like, especially if you're involved in litigation, and give you some some tools and some resources to help yourself or at least to be prepared enough to be able to ask for help from somebody else. So how do I manage this stress? Well, what kind of stress am I talking about? I am talking about deadlines where if you miss a deadline, there's no asking for more time or there's no saying, I'm really sorry. You know, this isn't like you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm late for work and, and you know, there was an, a traffic jam. And so, you know, I'm sorry I missed the meeting, but uh, let's just put that in the past and move forward. If you as a lawyer blow a date, it could be devastating for you and your client because there are dates and deadlines where you can't recover from it. If you miss that date, you know, let's say, for example, you know, you've got a complaint you have to file and there's a statute of limitations and you don't file that complaint before the end of the statute of limitations, your client is forever barred from bringing that claim. Now, imagine what a client would say if 
they hire a lawyer who can't get the complaint filed by the deadline. So these deadlines that we're talking about are very, very strict and severe. In addition to that, you can't just take one case and work on one case. You know, you need as especially uh, a litigation firm, you need to have multiple cases at the same time. You know, sometimes when, when I was on Wall Street, right, and I was working at this super huge firm when I'd come right out of law school, um, and, and I'll tell you, I started as a paralegal, and even though that was a super huge mega firm, I, I think that my first job as a paralegal, I probably made $22,000 a year at a mega firm, you know, and, and the big bucks went to the corner office partners and the associates and all the, the paralegals and support staff um, just didn't make anything, really. So anyway, um, getting back to that, these large firms have hundreds, thousands of clients, but they have enough lawyers, they spread it around. But even so, with spreading it around, it's still... No matter what firm you work at, it's still an unbelievably stressful experience. If you're a solo practitioner, it's all on you. If you're a small firm, it's all on you and, and the other people in your office. If you're a large firm, it's you know uh, spread around, but it's still on you as an associate, on you as a paralegal, on you as a partner to bring in the money. There's There's just no getting away from it. And oftentimes, you feel like you just can't come up for air with the stress. You've got clients calling you. You've got adversaries calling you. You've got courts calling you. You've got the need to bring in more work so you can continue to sustain the firm. So as you're trying to do intake, and then you've got the actual legal work, trials, preparation for things like depositions, drafting motions. And again, all these things are on deadlines and it becomes an extremely, extremely overwhelming, stressful experience in general. So I have skirted the uh, answer to this question long enough. How do I deal with it? Well, I deal with it in multiple ways. Staying organized for me is critical, right? Staying organized, making sure that I have detailed lists, multiple lists, to-do lists, task lists, a calendaring system, having a case management system, like a, a digital case management system has been, been a critical uh, tool for me as well because, you know, it keeps everything organized and it keeps you on track. So the organization in general is one way that I combat the stress and high pressure of the job. Um, another way that I do it is through getting into work very early. You know, um, most often try to get into work at 7 o'clock, 6.30, sometimes a little earlier, and to take that time when nobody else is in the office and nobody's calling to continue to organize my day, my week, my month, what the months ahead look like with regard to work, checking through multiple times task lists and things that need attention, shifting things around, being flexible, you know, oftentimes you'll come in with a plan for a day and then something happens or an emergency pops up with a client. Now you've got to be able to shift. So that pre-work 
time for me is critical. I, I also like when I can, I like to meditate and, um, I've used for years this headband called Muse, M-U-S-E, and it kind of keeps track of your brainwave signals to tell you what level of um, relaxation you're at, things like like that. And, you know, it, it's a, a tool. Um, kind of gives you an idea of how well you're able to um, stay focused and calm during meditation time. So I like that. Controlling your breathing is another thing. You know, I, I, athletes say it. A lot of um, motivational speakers, Tony Robbins, they talk about it. But but controlling your breathing is another thing that I like to do. Work on on breathing habits and um, staying focused and tying in that breathing with meditation and of course prayer. I, I mean, you know, um, whether you are a religious person or not a religious person or, or what, whatever you believe in. I mean, that that's, that's whatever it is, is, um, you know, right for you. But, but for me, you know, I think prayer is important because, um, I don't feel like in this life you can do it all alone and I have great support, you know, a team at home. I have a great wife and kids that support me. Um, and I have a great, great office team that support me but still i always feel like that higher power is um able to give me more help than i could ever give myself so that's how i deal with the stress um it's very rare that i take days off to decompress you just don't have that ability um some some years, you know, you, you don't go on vacation or, or because you know, you've got a trial or it just doesn't work out. So you've got to find ways on a daily basis to try to control your stress. Otherwise, it ends up eating you from the inside out. And I've, I've seen so many people who can't control that stress and overwhelm in this legal profession turn to drugs or alcohol or other destructive behaviors and it's really sad to see but you know in one sense you you can when you're in this profession you can understand how people get to that point you know you can understand the amount of pressure that that you feel so it's obviously um you know, something that is very serious. And I, I do wish that law school would focus on teaching people how to deal with the stress that's associated with this profession. Sure, you, you know, you, there's bar association stuff where, you know, they've got um, um, a phone number you can call. But it's like at that point, you know, you're, you're calling the, uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous number and, and you're already in deep. Like, they should give you more training and understanding so that you don't get to that point. But they, they don't, unfortunately. They don't give you that. And that, to me, that's a sad thing. All right, I had hoped to get through way more than one question, but I, I kind of tied a bunch of things up in that answer to that one question. I'm going to do... Um, one more, we're like 21 minutes into this, this show. So I don't want to, um, drone on forever. I'm going to do one more question. 
And and this one, we skipped to the end of my list. This one's also a really good question. Looking back, what would you have done differently in your career? And, you know, that's, that is a tough, tough question. That's a question everybody asks themselves every day. You know, what if, um, what would I have done differently? What if I could go back in time and do it again? What would I do differently? And it's very easy to be that Monday morning quarterback and to look back at your life, no matter what you do, and say, oh, if I'd only done this, if I had only, you know, made a right instead of a left, if I've only whatever. Um, but what would I personally have done differently in my career? Uh, I think that number one, I would have tried to develop a greater understanding of what the actual practice of law was like before and during law school. Remember I told you that I did have the benefit of uh, going to school in the night program and working full time and, and working as a paralegal. So it gave me that insight that a lot of people missed out on. But I think even before that, and even before I even I went to law school, I, I wish that I had had the opportunity or the wherewithal to take an internship to see what the practice was like before I even went to law school. Um, I think it would have given me better insight into what the profession was I think it would have given me some knowledge that would have helped me um, when I was in law school. So I would have done that differently. And uh, I think the other thing that I would have done, I, I mentioned it on the last episode, that I, I would have taken a, a bar exam course instead of listening to family members and having to study so tremendously hard and stressing myself out, you know, ridiculously, uh, if I had just spent the money and taken the review course, I think it would have been easier for me. Um, again, I, I, of course, passed, but that's not the point. The point was how difficult I made it on myself to study. So that's something that, that I would have done. Um, and I also think that uh, looking back, I think I would have tried to find areas of the law that were in line with some of my um, passions or, or likes. Um, it took me years to start to build out practice areas that involve things that I, I have a great deal of interest in, you know, whether it's sports um, or sports-based businesses. If I had sort of tried to mold myself in the beginning of my career down that path. Um, you know, I, I, you don't, you don't know uh, what the focus of your practice would be at this stage of your life. But um, I, I needed a job when I was in law school. And so getting into litigation and insurance defense firms was where I was needed, where, where there were jobs. And so that's the path. Now I'm not, um, upset about that at all because it it has given me great insight being a litigator uh sort of sets you apart when you analyze cases even when we do real estate work knowing that you know i i'm a litigation attorney it it helps me see the real estate process from a different angle a different light and it can help me protect clients better 
than if I was, let's say, only a real estate attorney. So I don't regret any of it. And um, like that funny commercial where the guy gets the tattoo, and I think it's like a Snickers commercial, and the guy tattoos no regrets. I think that's funny. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Um, it is what it is. And, and you know, if I hadn't traveled down the road, I did. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have met my my wife. I wouldn't have such a great family. Um, and, and who knows where I would have been. So very easy to look back in Monday morning quarterback, Monday morning quarterback. But I, I typically don't like to do that. I don't think it helps at all. Uh, but it was a good question. All right, well, I'm going to wrap this up. Sorry I only got through, you know, a handful of questions, but hopefully it gives you more insight into me, into the legal profession. Um, I actually really enjoyed doing the the two episodes of the Q&A. So uh, if this is something that you like to hear, let me know, and, and maybe we'll do it again in the future. We'll be back to our regular programming types next week. And uh, until then, make sure that you... Share the podcast with your family and friends. Tell them about it and and subscribe if you haven't done so already. That's going to do it. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.